You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It was a kind of a miraculous film. We're talking about Monday at 11.01, right? Yep. The guy wrote it, starred in it, and produced it. And not only that, but he picked the town where it was going to be shot in, and that's in Oklahoma. It's, uh, it's Guthrie, Oklahoma. And it, and it couldn't be any better. I mean, the town is unusual. It really is. It's all brick and, you know, dating back. So it's like a, an, an ether land in a sense, you know, it's like between worlds in a way. So it's really great, man. I mean, I had such a good time on it. And he wasn't so protective of his material that he didn't allow, you know, real, real life to happen because when you do a film, you end up on a new adventure and that's exactly what we did. How did he approach you for this one? It came, it came through my manager. You know, they, uh, I can't read scripts directly from anybody because there's lawsuits involved. I mean, they could say anything like that. I said I would. And so it goes to my manager and then I read it and I was so impressed by it. It's very original. The script had an original nature to it and an original plot. So I was, I, I was, you know, really happy to be part of it. I said yes right away. So that's cool that that happened. Now you're playing a bartender in this one? Yeah, but it's more than a bartender. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a facilitator between, between where you're from and where you're going. So... Anyway, it's really cool. I like to take on different kinds of roles. I mean, a bartender implies someone who just gives you drinks. But as we know, there's as many kinds of bartenders as there are, you know, people, you know. How did you prepare for this role? There, there is an ethereal quality to it, you know. I mean, and there's an observer. When I, when I, when I get a script, I always write down immediately my first impressions of it, of a line or a scene or a, or, or a little fiber of, could it be this? Could it be that? You know, I write notes all through my script. My first impressions, because I've been doing it so long, is, is often a lot of them ring true, you know, and so I, re- I kind of rely on that. And then, and then when I meet everyone and start really discussing my view of it, you know, or my, my take on it. Well, they, they, they give me more, you know, I mean, if, but if you don't, if you don't work from a source of sort of your belief system and and your reaction to something, you nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? You'll just be reciting. And that's not what I do. Not at all. That's, that's why I've been in it so long because that activity is so, so um specific to acting you know what i mean i i don't think even politicians or the president you know they know how to do that <laughs> no, i don't know let's not go to let's not go to politics i'm sorry last time we talked you were talking about the uh bring me the head of lance hendrickson how's that one going i have no idea it came from nowhere and now it's it isn't anywhere <laughs> You know what I mean? I remember when I, when I heard about it, I went and I contacted the guy who wrote it, you know, who wrote the, I, the concept and I, and I knew him. So I said, what's, what is this? Bring me the head of Lance Henderson. 
And then he told me what his attempt was going to be. And, and it was all, the whole thing was improvised. There was no script. So I don't know what's happened. I've been very busy, so I can't pursue it any further than I have. Yeah, you've been popping up all over lately. Yeah, yeah I know. My, the latest thing has been on this uh, blacklist. You know, you know what they did? They desaturate all the scenes that the bad guys are in. So we all look like 90 years older than we are. They take the color out. And all of the people that are like the heroes, they're getting glorious color. You know, they got perfect lighting. So I thought, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not doing that show anymore. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I've done three of them. But who knows? The scripts, those scripts are good, but in a different way. Yeah, I was really hoping when I saw your name and David Patrick Kelly's name in the credits, I was like, two of my favorite actors together. I can't wait to see that. And you guys haven't played a scene. <laughs> well, you played one last night. I know, babe. I know. It's, it's television is a kiss in the dark. You don't know who, what, why, where, when, or how. <laughs> Any of it's going to happen or what logic is going to you're going to be what on what road of logic are you going to be on? You don't know. It's crazy, man. It's a paranoid show. I mean, when you're working on it, you don't know if you're going to be killed in the very next script or not. And it keeps everybody kind of on edge. <laughs> what was it like working with uh, James Spader? He is, he is such a talent, man. I, him and I stood outside and smoked together and, talked about life in general. And and then when we went in to do a scene together, it was suddenly like a whole new person was sitting in front of me. And it was great. It really was. I mean, he's a, he's a very, very bright guy. And he knows what he's doing. And I felt, you know, I felt appropriate to the scene. I felt very, very wary of, of making a mistake in something I might say to him out of, out of a, a feeling of peril, you know, because <laughs> he, he's that he, 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 he's digging into something that, that really works for him. And it's a very dangerous guy. I, I, ref, my way of describing him is that he's like a Rubik's cube and every color represents a different scheme or, or understanding. And you know, you can't, you can't grasp it. You can't grab it. So big news this week, X-Files coming back. Does that mean any chance that Frank Black might be coming back? It seems kind of logical, doesn't it? You know, the, to me, yeah. If that works, then why wouldn't why wouldn't they give Millennium another shot? I mean, I think so much has happened since the Millennium days, you know, that that Millennium was actually pointing toward that that it would be worth doing. There's a lot of a lot of ways of uh, of updating it, you know. And the girl who played my daughter is 21 now. That cute little girl. My hair has gotten a little grayer, but I think I think I think the vitamins I don't take are really helping me. One of the things that I knew that I needed desperately was to to get one of those wine things where you take red wine and pour it through and it aerates it. It's like a plastic thing and. And I said, there's something about that that was really important to me, the habit. Because I knew the barn up in uh, Guthrie was not going to have it. 
so I bought one and brought it with me. And since the scene is about the soul of a human being, you know, people's souls. When I was pouring the wine, I, I pulled it up and used it because he got, he was attracted to my wine collection. And so I'm pouring a wine that he chose through it. And I said, yeah, it brings out the soul of the wine. But the sound of it makes me want to pee. And I knew, I knew that that, that would, would break the ice. It was an icebreaker because here's a guy that walks in for the first time into my bar and he doesn't know who I am or what I'm capable of. But I am capable of the truth. And so uh, it, it was really a cool moment. And it, and it wasn't, it wasn't something I wrote down that that was going to happen. But I, I knew I needed that. And that's part of the gathering. You know, I do it with clothes. I do it with, with how I want to look, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, it's part of my process. I think every actor uses a different one, but there's some, there's a core, a core similarity between all actors, I think. And they're, they're trying to bring, you know, their story, their spiritual and their story to the part, if they're any good. They, uh, an understanding that they have that they want to investigate. So it's pretty cool. I have a film coming out right now that, you know, <clears throat> it's a harbinger down Alec Gillis and, uh, and his ADI company with Tom Woodruff decided after all these years, and I've known these guys 25 years because we all worked on aliens and Terminator. And we, we worked on so many things together over the years, Pumpkinhead and, they decided to make their own film and what they've done, it's all practical effects. And it's, and it's, it's, I can't wait to see it. I mean, I, I, they had a screening up, uh, there's a, a machine in the, in the story. And, and the whole story is Harbinger is a ship and it's a crab vessel. And we're up in the Bering Sea and my granddaughter comes on the ship with this because she wants to follow the beluga. And I said, okay, while we're not, crabbing you can uh we'll we'll try to help and she brings this thing on the ship that can can talk about the dna almost immediately it's a real thing and it's a multi-million dollar machine the size of a suitcase and so they had a screening up there at the company that makes that and it's a real thing it's going to be a huge benefit to medicine but so what is my point? My point was, yeah, they saw it. And these are not fans of the genre. They were like 500 people from the corporation. They screened it and they were laughing in all the right places. And they were feeling that movie. And by the end, they all stayed like an hour later just talking about it. So we got a good chance that this movie is going to work. You know, it's going to work for audiences. And that's what you need. I mean, you and the story is told, which is good. But I can't wait to see it myself. I haven't seen it yet. It's got to be kind of refreshing these days to be working with all practical effects. It is. I mean, because green screen is a throwback to the days when I was off, off Broadway and we had no money. And and we would paint this, the whole set black and put a chair on it. And that's it. That's all we had. And then we would do plays. You know, we would do... Of course, it's motivated by language, but still, it's still like green screen, only it's black. And now, now green screen to me is all about 
producers having control, they love to dabble. <laughs> you know, so they're in there saying, now make the Vista bigger. Have that make the monster taller. He's too short. You know, I mean, whatever. They could have shrunk down your ear that way. Yeah, yeah, right. We could have been microbes on a little tiny planet, you know. Like what you look at when you fly across the country. You look down and you go, all those cities, all that stuff. We look like algae. (laughs) I kind of like the idea of this harbinger down as far as the horror being here on Earth and just the whole idea of, you know, what we don't know about our own planet, about our own, you know, environment. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I love, uh, you know, the, the guys that are fighting the whales. You know, they're sea shepherds, you know. I mean, they're really, they have such a place in our in our world. And they're really uh, risking a lot to do it. And they've got nothing but my respect, you know. Anyway. I don't want to get off onto that. But. So when's your next broad comedy coming out? Oh, God, I don't know. I would love that. I would love that. Cause I don't think I'm funny. I just think situations are funny. I could see you playing the straight man like nobody's business. Oh, I could. I could. But they have to get on your side to do it, you know, because the, half the time people are afraid I'm going to kill them. You know, <laughs> unfortunately. I, you know, I, I, you don't get the face you want. You get the one you deserve. I don't know what the fuck I did, but I did something to get this mug. What other stuff are you working on these days? I'm, I'm leaving for Japan on the 29th. Be there for a week and then, and then go to Ottawa. And so, you know, I've been, it's been a busy, busy year. Last year was beyond belief. I was in so many films, but I loved every minute of it. I mean, I'm, I've got the energy for it. So why not do it? I'm looking at your IMDb, and it looks like you have 12 things that are yet to come out. Yeah. There's there's a really cool one. It's called Daylight's End, where the guy named Johnny Strong is in it. He's a, he was in uh, Black Hawk Down. What a wonderful guy and actor he is. I mean, so we got... And it's, and it's a real thriller. I mean, it's a, a kind of... Uh, it's really hard to explain because they've, they've gone on an original tack. It's like a mixture of vampires, zombies, and and uh, some strange mix. But they're attacking us. and, and But it, it, it's it's an original. It really is. We shot it in Dallas in the, in the you know, the, the courthouse, the old courthouse where Oswald was shot? We were shooting in there, and it was like uh, we had, I have families that I'm, I'm playing a Texas Ranger that's that's got his, a bunch of his guys and, and we're protecting a whole group of people and they're living in the cells it used to be for prisoners. And, and it's our, it's our way of hiding out. And then we get discovered and it becomes a, a bit of a war. But anyway, so, but it's a really good one. Daylight's end. Remember that one. You're going to like that. I, I know that I did a movie in Germany called stung and that's at Tribeca right now. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that one, but apparently the buzz is out on it. <laughs> oh, buzz. Uh, I didn't realize that, that I was saying. <laughs> I read about that one. That sounds pretty incredible. It is. I play an alcoholic politician at a party trying to raise funds, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get reelected. And by the end, I say, after this, <laughs> I might have something to talk about. <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you and Clifton Collins Jr. together. Yeah, you're gonna like that, man. It's it's got a lot of humor. Are you still doing any of the uh, comic book writing? Yeah, I, you know, I did a comic book. Joe Madre and I wrote a comic, and Tom Mandrake illustrated it. Who's who's a great artist? I mean, he's wonderful. But it took us two years to write it, and you know what? Two years work, and we, I think we made five dollars. And I think you know we, Joe Madre and 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 uh, and I decided we're gonna let's push this comic through no matter what, even if we don't make any money. And but that that is the last time I'm ever doing that, because really, literally, we were all on Skype like three times a week discussing minutia in the comic, you know, you know, and we felt good about doing it because it's a native American thing and you wanted to be respectful and you, and you had to, you had to have some foundation for it. So, but it's called to hell you ride with dark horse. I read it. It's very, very good. Did you like it? Yeah. I was one of those people that contributed a dollar. Did you really? What did you do? I mean, why did you have to contribute? I'm just saying for your $5 that you earned. You contribute one of my dollars. You don't have to worry about it because I never cashed the check. It's it's stuck on a... (laughs) It's stuck on a a, uh, bulletin board. I just got a loyalty check, or yeah, royalty check the other day. 37 cents. Isn't that crazy? Because the, probably the stamp was 45 cents. Yeah. Jesus. I didn't cash it. I kept it just to I know. Take. I've done the same thing. I don't. Yeah. It's not about the money. It was about, we wanted to work in a certain way and, and they didn't like it because they have editors and the editors really want to take it over and push you in a more uh, kind of placebo kind of, kind of direction. And, and we didn't want to do that, so. But anyway, you know, it, it, these are all adventures, Mike. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. You know, you some some things you have to be paid for, and other things, no. I'm glad we're doing this interview. You seem like an intelligent guy. You know, you, you know, you don't seem like it. You're an intelligent guy. <laughs> I play it off well. Yeah, you tricked me. You tricked me. <laughs> Well, it's it's better to be asking you about some movies that you like because I think the first time we talked, we talked about um, the Visitor, which I know you're not oh. a big fan of. Oh no, that's where we know each other from. God. Well, and then we did. I kind of made it up to you the next time we talked. I asked you about uh, Near Dark, so that was great. Yeah, I love Near Dark. I love that adventure, man. That was cool. Catherine, you know, uh, she is a vampire. She has to be. Because she's as beautiful now as she was back then. That's not possible. But she's doing something really right, man. Bathing in the blood of the innocent. Bite, bite me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, hev- I'm heavily right now into my pottery. I'm making 32-inch platters. And all of them have an incredible th- bunch of themes involved. You know, because anytime a, pl- you know, a piece of ceramics is larger than a certain size. It's no longer a serving platter. It's a piece of art, right? If you can live up to it. But anyway, one of my favorite things about going to Kyoto, I'm going to Tokyo and to Kyoto 
is the Japanese have such a long history of, of, uh, of the love of clay that I'll be able to go to the museums there and stuff. I'm, I'm just so excited about it. I'm just exhausted with excitement. <laughs> I really am. But anyway, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm experimenting. And when I was in Thailand making a, a film that I'm not going to tell you the title of because I, I absolutely hated it. But, uh, but when I was there, I walked into a kind of quasi antiqueish, we buy junk and sell antiques place in, in, in Bangkok. No, actually it was in Krabi. It was down in a little town. And there was a man's lifetime of puppets that he had made and he had passed away and they were scattered all over the room. And I, and I thought, wait a minute, what is this? And they, and I, and I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but I, I said to the guy, are these all one person's work? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, I want to buy them all. So I bought the whole collection, this guy's lifetime collection of puppets. And they're made out of animal skin, and you know, and they're punched, punched through, and they're they're for shadow puppets. And uh, and I took them home after the movie was over, and and I lived with them for two years before I even opened. I had bought two suitcases to put them in, and the suitcases were standing there for two years. And then I suddenly one morning I got up and I went, I I really got to find out who this guy was uh, from his puppets. And so I separated out the ones that were very handmade and they were wild from the ones that are more traditional, like kings and queens and princesses and, you know, that kind of shit. This guy, the ones that he made were full of humor. And, and you know, there were, there's a guy I call, you know, Pinhead and Pinhead wants to fight. You know, that that's what I saw in it. And, Another one is crab man and, and others are penises and fucking flying penises and fucking all kinds of crazy shit because the ties don't have that Puritan ethic. You know, I mean, they have, they see, they see sexuality and politics and, and relationships all, all in kind of a, you know, a different way. So I separated all those out. And what I've done is I found a way to use them in, in my clay. And, and I made some really great molds of them and stuff. And then I ended up taking, to put this into perspective, they, they had a Buddhist ceremony, uh, with a candle and, and a, and a Buddhist monk came in and he, and he demanded that I respect these, these puppets and, you know, take care of them, guard them. And I did that. And then I, after I was done with, with what I was doing with them, I took them all and I brought them over to a Buddhist temple here in, in LA and gave them to them and said, kids might like to, to play with these. And so they were happy. Anyway, it's a complete circle. And now uh, I'm they're, they're on my platters as satires and they're telling stories. Because I realized the guy was a storyteller above all. And, and I've used his puppets, the ones that, that I knew, uh, instinctively were, were his work and, and his stories. 
So that's pretty cool. That's just one thing I'm doing. I've got a whole bunch of other stuff, but other themes that I'm doing. But I'm gonna I'm doing a whole series on on his work. So my pottery is no different than my acting, except there's nobody standing over my shoulder telling me what to do. Do you ever show your work? Not yet. You know why? Because I, I honestly don't give a shit about people seeing it. And I, 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 some of them I can donate to the Gene Autry Museum and here in L.A. so they can raise money for kids and shit, you know. And I, that's what I like to do with it because it's not about money. I, I swore to myself long ago because I, at one point when I was a young potter back in the 60s, uh, I made a thousand goblets once, and that, that means that's 2,000 pieces. That's a thousand tops and a thousand bottoms. I made it out of bad clay. So after they were all fired, you could break them like a cookie, you know, just snap them. It was cheap clay because I had no money. And so anyway, I swore if I ever had to sell one, one plate, cup, ball, whatever it is, I would never do it again. And so uh, I don't, I, it's not what it's about at all. You know, so my shop, I have a 5,000 square foot pottery shop. That's just me working in there. Mud man. And I have a lot of friends. You know, whenever I do a movie, I go to the whatever potters in the area and I go meet them and talk to them and share ideas in whatever country I'm in. Yeah, they've taught me a lot. A lot of lessons. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like a, a great way to exchange ideas. Yeah, it is. It is. We do all we all need is just an excuse. I had one more movie I wanted to ask you about before I let you go. Okay. Me, him, and her. Yeah. I, I had asked if when your next comedy was coming out, and this one actually is a comedy. Have you seen it? I haven't, but it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I play the devil in it. <laughs> it's typecasting. <laughs> and he's a young guy. I mean, it's, he's just a, such a young director and a young writer. And and he was nothing but kind. It, it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, the first time you see me, I'm up on Hollywood Hills at the highest place you can possibly get. And this white limousine pulls up. And the doors open, and it's full of smoke. <laughs> and I step out. There he is. That's a great entrance. <laughs> yeah, I've loved what uh, Max Landis has done screenwriting-wise, and that video he did of uh, the death of Superman on YouTube was just amazing. He's he's such a colorful guy. I gotta tell you, man, he, he just he's like a free soul. A soul that's absolutely, he's going to have a great life. There's no doubt about it. Down the road, maybe in 20 years, I'll be doing a movie with him using a walker. Or by then they should have an external uh, hydraulic thing that keeps you moving. <laughs> Big old exoskeleton. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Lance, jog into the scene. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time tonight. This has been great talking to you as always. Hey, Mike. Seriously, it's it's good. We're, we're it's a mutual support system, man. Take care, and I hope this I hope this will be entertaining for people. <laughs>